You are listening to the Riverside Community Church Podcast. For more information, visit us at www.riversideconnect.org. So we're starting a new sermon series entitled Live Dangerously, Bold Faith Takes Risks in a Play It Safe World. If you're listening via podcast, podcast. We're glad that you're listening this morning. And this is part one of this new series. And I'm just going to come right out of the gate and say, this first message is entitled, Live Dangerously with My Spouse. With My Spouse. Now, if you're here, I know, I know the feeling. If, if you're here and you are not married, then immediately it's like, oh, this isn't for me. This isn't going to be for me. It's a, one of those marriage sermons. Not the case. Really, this sermon is about relationships and what God has designed for his followers in the midst of their relationships and especially the most important relationships in their lives. If we're married and if you're married here this morning, then really, other than your personal relationship with God, there is no greater human relationship in your life than that with your, your spouse. And it's then with your kids and then everyone else, it's, it, that's the hierarchy. So wherever you are this morning, this is a picture of what God has designed for your life and what he wants to do through your marriage and through your relationships. Because really what God wants is for you to walk into a room and for things to change with your spouse. When you and your spouse walk into a room, God wants there to be a different kind of feel in that room. God wants to to use your marriages and use our marriages and our relationships in such a powerful way for the building of his kingdom. And have you met people who are like this, married couples who are like this? Uh, a name that comes to mind is, is uh, Larry and Leona Kennard. And since uh, Leona Kennard has passed away, but my goodness, I, I have fond memories of at the table, our young adult ministry, Larry and Leona coming in and just being married for so many years. There was just a love that they shared and a closeness that they shared that just being around them, you thought, wow, there is a different kind of reality. There is a, a deeper kind of love that is available. And when, when they would say, you know, our love for each other, you know, we love each other like this because God loves us. You're like, wow, then I really want to grow closer to God because this is just amazing. I have this image in my mind of some of the last days of Leona's life and laying in her bed toward the end of her life, the last week of her life, and Larry laying just right beside her to the very end of her life. They shared this amazing kind of a connection and marriage, and truly, that is what God has designed for his followers. He wants marriages to point to him and to bring glorification to him. And this morning, wherever you are, whether you're single, dating, or married, God's got a word for you this morning. And it starts in Ephesians chapter 5, verses 21 through 33. I'm going to throw it up on the screen. And you can also pull it up on your phones if you'd like or grab a Bible in front of you. But we're going to be looking at the message paraphrase because every once in a while, I like to mix it up you know, translation-wise. And so we're living dangerously this morning as we read from the message. And this is, I want to read it in its entirety, and then we're going to talk about it. it. Starts like this, Ephesians 5, 21. Out of respect for Christ, be courteously reverent to one another. Wives, understand and support your husbands in ways that show your support for Christ. The husband provides leadership to his wife the way Christ does to his church, not by domineering, but by cherishing. 
So just as the church submits to Christ as he exercises such leadership, wives should likewise submit to their husbands. Husbands, go all out in your loves in your love for your wives exactly as Christ did for the church. A love marked by giving and not getting. And all the wives said, amen. Christ's love makes the church whole. His words evoke her beauty. Everything he does and says is designed to bring the best out of her, dressing her in dazzling white silk, radiant with holiness. And that is how husbands ought to love their wives. They're really doing themselves a favor since they're already one in marriage. No one abuses his own body, does he? No, he feeds and pampers it. That's how Christ treats us, the church, since we are part of his body. And this is why a man leaves father and mother and cherishes his wife. No longer two, they become one flesh. This is a huge mystery, and I don't pretend to understand it all. What is clearest to me is the way Christ treats the church. And this provides a good picture of how each husband is to treat his wife, loving himself and loving her, and how each wife is to honor her husband. Amen. This would be a massive win. If just more than anything, there's a lot in that passage, it would be a massive win this morning if you walked away with nothing but taking this passage, Ephesians 5, 21 through 33, and going home with your spouse and carving out some time to read it together and to discuss it. I really believe that God will do amazing things in your midst as you walk through and begin to learn what it means to apply what God has just called us to in this passage. But two words come to mind when I read it because there's a lot there. And the two words are this, love dangerously. Love dangerously. What does that mean? Because what God has called us to is a dangerous kind of love, not a safe kind of a love. And what does it mean to to love dangerously? I'm going to tell you what it is by first giving you an example of what it is not from a story. Lauren and I, this is my wife, Lauren. She's over here. She hates attention. So there she is. Let's move on. Lauren and I were married, and this is our family, but this isn't our whole family. We have another in our family, but it's not a child. It's of a short and stocky and slimy, slobbery, hairy, yellow dog variety whose name is Luna. Luna is a yellow lab, and she is awesome. And one of the things that we love to do as a family is take Luna to the dog park. We love going to the dog park. We especially like going to the south side dog park, and we go to the dog park, And then we like taking her after she's run around like 15 minutes and is about to like die because she's extremely like out of shape. And then we like walking her very slowly to Big Dog Coffee Shop in Southside, which is my favorite coffee shop on the planet. It's so good because they have a drink that I love that comes out during the summer. It's called the Chocolate Noof, which is basically a chocolate milkshake with espresso in it. It's made with gelato. It's got to be like a trillion calories. And if I drink like three in one week, you might just die. I'm not sure. But I love this stinking drink. So, and I like it a lot. So we go there and then we walk back and, and that's usually a day and that's awesome. So we had prepared to go to the South Side and we had prepared to go to the dog park. And those of you who are dog owners and go places with your dogs, then you might have this contraption that we have in the back of our car, which is a dog hammock. It attaches to the the different seats and it creates a nice barrier from the seat so that no hair gets on that seat. So we're driving to the south side and we made it from our house. We live in Penn Hills and we made it to the Birmingham Bridge, which is pretty close to the south side riverfront park where the dog park is. And we get over this bridge and... I mean, we're close, guys. We're, we're close. We're very close 
to the dog park. We hit East Carson Street, and I start to smell something. I smell something is terrible. And it's not like just a, a gaseous kind of a like, you know, dissipates after a little. This is lingering. And I'm like, what is that? What does that smell? And I turn around, and I, look, I look behind me into the back seat where our precious little Luna is, and there is a massive mess of the number two variety all over the seat. And it was terrible. It smelled terrible. It's filling the cabin of our vehicle, the smell of terribleness. And I go from a level zero anger, because I'm happy, on my way to Southside to get the drink I want with my wife and my dog, zero to 100 in anger. An unrealistic and unreasonable kind of anger I was feeling, and rightfully so, was making my wife, who does not get angry very often at all, if you would know her, you'll know what I'm talking about. She's a saint. I had to, because my mom was a saint, so it just worked out. So she's getting very uncomfortable. I am making her very uncomfortable at my level of anger at the dog. I did not curse. I want to let you guys know that. In my head, maybe a couple, but nothing came out. So... I'm mad, she's getting uncomfortable, and we get there, and I'm like freaking out and being unreasonable because I'm selfish, and I don't want to clean up this stuff all over, the number two all over the back of the seat. And, and, and Lauren's just like, I just want to go home. Like, this just isn't fun for me. And I'm like, no, no, I don't want to go home. I don't, no, we're not going home. I was like, I want that noof. There is only one thing that is going to redeem this horrible experience of the back seat and what hit the back seat. By getting that noof, I'm like, no, I was being so, so selfish about it. And really, I still think about it clearly to this day. Because that is not loving dangerously. That was me worrying about me. My wife's feelings in that moment didn't really even matter to me. And that's the honest truth. I just was so angry and I was so selfish. And I was, I'm so sorry that I did that talked about it many times, but now it's like before the witnesses of the church. I'm sorry, I love you, and that was terrible. And that was not loving dangerously. So the question then becomes, what is loving dangerously? And when we get the picture of it in that Ephesians passage, and whether you're uh, single or married, it's all in there of what it means to be this kind of a person who can love dangerously, who can go into a room and be used by God in a way that points to his love, which is life everlasting. But there's a lot in there. And it's like, okay, I really wish I could get down to like the core of it. Like what's the core thing? What's like a main takeaway from that? I'm really happy that the writer of Ephesians, Paul, used by God, knew exactly what we needed to hear as people. Ephesians 5.32 says this. What is clearest to me, because sometimes we just need the clear thing, right? Like the clearest thing. Give, us, give me the clearest thing about how to do this love dangerously thing. What is clearest to me is the way Christ treats the church. And this provides a good picture of how each husband is to treat his wife, loving himself and loving her and how each wife is to honor her husband. It all comes down, loving dangerously, comes down to the way that Christ treats the church. But there's something about love. There's something about love that's just so difficult and there's a safe love. There's a safe love versus a dangerous love. There's an easy love. And then there's a dangerous love. There's a lasting love. 
But there's a safe love. And the safe love is predictable. And it's comfortable. And it's controllable. And this is like the Disney version of love. Like, let it go, let it go. It's frozen for those of you who don't know that song. And it's terrible, but it gets stuck in your head. And for those of you who know, you're welcome. There's this safe kind of love that's controllable and comfortable and predictable. And we're willing to love as long as we have some comfort in this love. And it's self-serving. Like, if there's something for me in this, then I'll, I'll love my spouse. But if something starts hitting the back seat, then that love is oftentimes compromised easy, isn't it? When our hearts start to kind of flare up and our anger starts to rise, then, ooh, I'm getting a little bit uncomfortable. When the un comes into the picture of safe love, then that love kind of dwindles quick, doesn't it? When things become unpredictable or uncomfortable or uncontrollable, then we kind of, we clam up and we turn inward and because this kind of safe love is selfish. But what God has called us to is a greater kind of love, a selfless kind of love. Falling in love, it it requires a pulse. (laughs) How many of you guys remember this? You know, high school, junior high, it's like you have a crush and your heart is just It's moving real fast, and you can fall in love real quick as long as you have a pulse. And then there's this kind of dangerous love. And in order to maintain this dangerous and long-lasting kind of love, this love that Larry and Leona shared, that God has designed for us to give out and to experience as people, that takes more of a plan. That takes a plan for that kind of a love, that dangerous kind of a love. And what does that plan look like? What does the decision of that look like? Dangerous love is the accurate estimate and adequate supply of another's need. Oh, you see the difference of the difference of me in this moment where we're going to the south side where I was just so focused on me. I was not estimating exactly how my wife was feeling and what she needed in that moment. And I sure didn't supply her with what she really needed. What I ended up doing was becoming so self-focused and so self-absorbed that I sacrificed love in that moment. And I regret it still to this day. This dangerous love is an accurate estimate and an adequate supply of another's need. And really, we get this from a page of Jesus' book and how God did it. God, he knew exactly what we needed, and he gave us the perfect supply of it. And we kind of get an idea of what the nature of that need looks like through looking at Jesus. A supply of this love to need, that word need is really important because sometimes need and want come together. Sometimes our our husbands or our wives or our friends or our family members, they want certain things and that they need that same kind of love and approval and attention and selflessness and all of those things there. So we should give them to that. But then there are some situations where our spouses or our friends, what they really want is something that is unhealthy for them. And we do not need to supply them the need for that unhealthy kind of a want. And sometimes that means abusive relationships and a control from the other side Sometimes it means adultery on the other side. In that moment, that loving thing is to actually step away. But then there's the supply thing of what it means to supply another's need. Because oftentimes there's what we want and then there's what the other wants. And sometimes those are conflicting, right? 
So the question is, what is it that Jesus has done and what is it that Jesus has displayed? Because he did it perfectly. He knew exactly what we needed and he gave us just the perfect supply. And what is it that Jesus did? John 3, 16. If you grew up in church at all, this might be the very first verse you memorized. Or if you're not a Christian, you probably will have heard this verse. And I think there's a reason behind that. Because there's power behind this verse in helping us to know the kind of lives that we were designed to live and the kind of love capacity we were designed to throw out and to supply in the world around us and especially in our marriages. For God so loved the world. In this way, God, he loved the world. This is what a dangerous love looks like. For God so loved, in this way, he loved the world that he gave. That word gave is so important. He gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Jesus, he died to give this kind of a love, this unconditional love. There was sacrifice involved with his love. He gave his son, he gave his very own life, and he suffered the amount of suffering that none of us can comprehend because it's one thing for us to die a death on a cross, you or me, and then there's another thing for fully God and fully man and Jesus to die on a cross. It's a greater level of suffering that he experienced for this love. That's how he displayed it. That's how he supplied it. It took a sacrifice then in John 13, 34, it says this, a new command I give you, follower of Jesus, love one another as I have loved you. So you must love one another. Wow. You mean the kind of love that took Jesus to that cross that included that whole sacrifice? Yes, that's how we get to that place of a godly and flourishing marriage where we're willing for one another to supply each other's need no matter the cost. Dangerous love, it loves without expectation. This is such a huge part of marriage. This is really the linchpin thing. This is the thing that had had I known this, then I could have gotten through that situation in the South Side because I, I, I expected what I wanted. And if I'm going to give love so many times, oh, those of us, we, we give love and we're expecting something in return. But a true kind of a love that God has called us to is a sacrificial kind of a love that doesn't need a reciprocation. This kind of love, it loves without expectation. It doesn't need reciprocation. God was willing to hold up his love and to go to the cross for us just to give us an option, really, for us to accept his love. His love was always there. Even if we denied it, here's God who still loves us. Even when the number two hits the back seat, are we still going to love our spouses even if we're in the right and they're in the wrong, are we still going to love our spouses? Barring a situation that is unhealthy in our marriages and unlawful and ungodly, are we willing to love through the hard times of life and through the temperature and the boiling of our blood and confrontation of difficulty? 
of the job going downhill, of the paycheck going downhill in the midst of death and trial and suffering? Are we willing to still love at this sacrificial level? Because it's in that kind of a love that God has designed us to supply, that we get to experience the fullness and the joys of marriage and relationships around us in the supply of that love. And at this point, everyone's like, okay, yeah, I'm with you, but why? Why should I do it? Why should I do it? It comes down to honor. It's an honor thing. And what does it mean to honor someone? What does honor mean? It means to respect or highly esteem, to treat as precious and weighty or valuable. Do we truly honor our spouses? Do we truly honor our friends and our family? Do we truly place value on their lives and and see them as valuable as they truly are? Because we honor who we value. And in turn, we love who we honor. We honor who we value. Do you know that you are valuable? Do you know that the scripture tells us that you were knit together in your mother's wombs? Do you know that it doesn't matter if everyone turns their back on you? God has created you in his image and you have this intrinsic value that you are worth something, that God, the creator of the universe, knows your name. Do you know that God left the heavenly places for you because you are valuable and he loved you because you are valuable to him? Do you know that he knows every hair that's on your head? He knows every trial and every suffering you go through and he cares. Do you know that you are valuable It doesn't matter what someone has said to you growing up or what you've experienced or what you've even told yourself. You are valuable in the eyes of God. God wants to do something with your life. And no one can take that away from you. It doesn't matter who's how powerful or how much money or what you look like. You are valuable in the eyes of God. No ifs, ands, or buts. Period. You're valuable. And this is what God says to us. In Philippians 2, 3 through 4, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourself. Not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. I love Romans 12, 10, where it says this. This is a good, healthy competition to get in with your spouse. This is a good one. Let's see, like, good throwing up the dukes over this one. <laughs> Does anyone still say dukes? That was weird. Love one another with brotherly affection. I love this word. Outdo one another in showing honor. Outdo one another in showing honor. It's an honor off. You and me. I'm going to honor you more. You're going to honor me more? No, I'm going to honor you more. What does it mean to show honor? It means to show dangerous love. Sacrificial love. There's value in your spouse, regardless of the mistakes that are made or the words that are spoken. God has called us to honor our spouses, has called us to honor those in our lives, our friendships, our family. It doesn't matter what they look like, how they speak, what messes they've gotten themselves into. They are still worthy and deserving of the love that comes from God. And God wants to move through that kind of a love that we supply to our spouses and we supply to our friends and we supply to those around us. Up until this point, literally no one disagrees. 
whether you believe in God or you don't believe in God, right now, even if you, if you don't believe in God, you're like, no, there's something different about people. I agree. They're not like just like a dog or they're not like a flower. There's something about them that when I read in the news of these things happening to people and the injustices that take place all over the world, here in our backyard and all over the world, something within me says, no, no, that's not right. I believe that there is a value to all people and I want to love people in this kind of a way. No one disagrees that I would love to have that kind of a marriage, but it is so difficult. You don't know my situation. It's terribly difficult. I keep running into this problem that you experience in the car in the south side. It's a me thing. I can't get over it. In fact, I want it. I even believe in it. I want to love dangerously. I even know why I want to love dangerously. It's because they have this value and I love my spouse. I love these people in my love in my life. But how do I do it? That's the question. We have to look to Jesus. Jesus serves as the example. And not only as the example, but you got to be thankful for the example because it is so hard in the culture in which we live in to look left, right, and all around us and to see really healthy and godly marriages all around us. We're in a lack. We need people to rise up in the kingdom of God to show the world what is capable and what is possible in God, in our marriages, in our families. I'm thankful that there's this example of Jesus who showed us how to love and to love dangerously. Where Jesus, he, he left the heavenly places for us when we were so undeserving it wasn't, and he was loving without expectation, not even expecting a reciprocation. He loved us unconditionally and sacrificially. When we were deserving of death, Jesus, he died in our places, hanging on the cross so that we would have a clear picture of what it means to actually love dangerously. When the pull is to love selfishly or safely, I'm thankful for a clear picture because you can't know what to do without the clear picture. I'm thankful to God he's given, a, given us it in Jesus and what he has done. But if he's just an example, then we are most to be pitied. That's like me looking at Ben Roethlisberger and saying, yeah, let me just throw a football like that or Le'Veon Bell and run like that. You're kidding me? I can't do that. There's no way. You look at Jesus, if he's just the example, prepare to be crushed under the weight of impossible. I can't love like that. When I'm living in the midst of these backseat situations constantly in, in my life, I can't love the way God has called me to love. Jesus, he didn't just remain on the cross, he died. And he was risen from the grave by the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit. He was risen from the grave, he conquered death and evil and suffering so that when we place our trust in Jesus as our Savior, not only is he the example in our lives, but he is the power behind the outworking of the example that we can look and see how he has lived and he has given us the means to actually live it out. The spirit has taken dwelling inside of you, church. If you call on Jesus as your savior, the question isn't an if he resides within you. The question is, are you taking advantage of what's available to you? Because here's what the scripture says in Galatians 5.22. The fruit of the spirit is love. The beginning of a long list of things that we have access to and power to receive and experience as followers of Jesus. Like life inside of a tree, the spirit inside of us should grow certain things like fruit on limbs. And one of those things is dangerous love, sacrificial love, 
long-term love, committed love, regardless of the ebbs and the flows of life, God has designed it that you can live the kind of marriage that you were designed to live. You may stumble, you will stumble along the way, but God is there to pick you up. He's there to redeem brokenness and broken pasts and broken stories, and he wants to use it all to the glory of his name. I want to invite the worship team to come up this morning. It really comes down to two things, and really nothing that was said here this morning, if you grew up in church and you were married, is something you haven't heard on the day that you probably said, I do. What a great reminder of the kind of marriage that God wants us to experience in our lives, the kind of relationships God wants us to experience in our lives, where when we just step into the room with our spouses, there's something different. When you step in the room and your capacity to love and to love others sacrificially because you honor them and you value them, is it apparent? Because any other picture that's being painted any other picture is less than what's available to you. It's like we're settling for the toddler's painting versus the Monet, because the scripture says, what is clearest to me is the way Christ treats the church. And this provides a good picture of how each husband is to treat his wife, loving himself and loving her, and how each wife is to honor her husband. Which picture are we settling for? God wants us to create an amazing picture, and he wants to create an amazing picture of your marriage and my marriage. And it comes down to two things this morning. Love dangerously and honor dangerously. Don't do this love safe thing, the safe love thing, where it's if it's benefiting me, if it's predictable, if it's comfortable, if it's controllable, then I will love my spouse. When it's that safe, then all it takes is something hit in the back seat before we have broken families and broken relationships. And some of you are still hurting from that. What I'm praying for this morning is that God would infuse a new kind of life and vigor in your marriage and in your relationships where the love of Christ would be at the forefront that you would honor one another dangerously and that you would love one another dangerously, that you would be a clear picture to the world, whatever room or situation you walk into that points to a loving God. That's the crown jewel of marriage and relationship. When people look at you, do they see the love of God? If we are to be a picture of the love of God, then how clear is the picture? I'm going to invite my wife to come up here with me this morning. Because every wedding, usually we give a, the giving tree, the book, because I think it's just like an awesome uh, picture of Christ's love and what it means to love like this. But every card we write, we always write the same exact thing. And if you've gotten married and we've been to your wedding, you know what I'm talking about but I couldn't help but think about that simple statement this morning. It's a kind of statement that just holds so much. If it's just applied, it, it'll change lives. It's a statement that we wanted to share with you and pray over the church this morning as we prepare to respond in worship and how appropriate it is to respond in the way that we're going to respond this morning of crying out to God for his love. It's just the most appropriate way to respond.
But our prayer for Riverside Community Church and those who are married here this morning is this. It's our deepest prayer that you would love each other as Christ loves the church. Let's pray. God, we pray for every marriage here. We know that it gets difficult, insanely difficult, and that you have set the example in the bar extremely high, but that's, a, that's an example in a bar that we want to reach. But we also recognize that we cannot reach it on our own, and so thank you, Lord, for sending your Spirit to help us. And as we worship you this morning, we cry out and ask, Holy Spirit, would you fill us up that we might love our spouses and love our family and love our friends as you have loved the church, as you have died for her, as you have sacrificed for her, as you have given so much without expectation, would you grow within us a heart that comes only from you, that we might experience the same. Help us, we pray, as we pray out and cry out for your empowerment this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Riverside Community Church Podcast. For more information, visit us at www.riversideconnect.org.